welcome back to the Typical Time Podcast. I hope you have all been doing well. I hope you have all had a brilliant Christmas and New Year. And this is us back with another episode. I'm sorry it's took so long, but with the Christmas holidays and homeschooling and things, it's took a wee bit of time recording and editing and stuff like that. So, sorry for that, but these things can be helped. This week's episode is with Alan Turner. If you're not aware of Alan Turner, Alan has been in many bands for Dundee, for the Rise, the Days, Lost City Soul, and more recently Thieves. Alan's been close to the band throughout all of their career, and we kind of charted Alan's path through music, and the viewers' path through music at the same time to see where we were at with it. So it's a really good interview, it's a bit longer. Uh, I hope you all enjoy and I've got a bit of news for you at the end as well. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks for coming on, Alan. So we'll just get back to the start and just tell, tell me about your life, early life, growing up, where you grew up, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, good. it's a bit of a long story, this one. Like, mm. um, So my dad was in the RAF. So I, I was born in Fife, believe it or not, Dunfermline. And... Uh, I was only there for a couple of years, I think, and then I got moved out to Germany. And I was in Germany for four years. I went to infant school there, um, infant sort of nursery school there. Then I got moved to England. I went to a place called Innsworth in Gloucester. My dad relocated there, so we were on sort of RAF camp there for four years. And uh, I went to primary school there right up until sort of end of primary school. And then they decided to move me again. And then we moved up to Scotland, um, to a small town in the Highlands called Invergordon, where my mum and dad still are. And that's where I spent um, sort of my youth in the 90s. But I moved from England with a pure strong English accent. You might hear this, and I've got this weird kind of accent. Um, I think I'm, you sound really, really Scottish. I think you sound <laughs> broad Scot. There's some words that come, up, come, up, come around that sound a bit English, but... I moved from England to Scotland. So I moved from a primary school to a secondary school with a full-scale English accent. So as you can imagine, the first couple of years in a Scottish uh, academy in, in the Highlands was, uh, was quite tough. You know what I mean? I was uh, I was bullied a little bit for my accent because everyone thought I was English. I remember mm-hmm. I had to... Um, I had to bring in my birth certificate to prove, them, <laughs> prove to them that I was Scottish. Um but eventually that all sort of died down and you know i've still all my best friends are are still from still from my school and um the highlands really is my home you know what i mean invergordon inverness that whole area mm-hmm. um it's really really my home i've had some of the best times in my life up there so yeah that sort of grew up there in the in the the midst of the 90s um and you know kind of left there in 1999 and moved to dundee my brother was at um, university down here, mm-hmm. and I just got I just got sacked from a job. Like I was a waiter, and I got sacked for um, being hungover and breathing on the guests. Um, but I was only like what sixteen or seventeen at the time, and uh, uh, so I just had a hundred and forty pound in my pocket and a and a backpack of clothes, and I, I moved down to Dundee and, and stayed in my brother's spare room. He was staying in this big flat on Albany um, Terrace, big eleven-bedroom house. Right, and uh, I eventually ended up living there. 
And yeah, I've been in Dundee over 20 years now. And there's been one year where I lived in Glasgow when I was at university in Glasgow, I stayed in Glasgow for a year. Mm-hmm. I, did, um, I did audio engineering and um, I lived the high life of Socky Hall Street for a year as a student. One of the best years of my life, I've got to say. Glasgow. Yeah. Out every single, night? Out every night as a single 21-year-old in yeah. Glasgow. Um, just the best times ever from from that that whole year as a student. Um, it really was magical. Like So, yeah, and then moved back to Dundee and kind of started to focus on the band that was in. And then, yeah, started the family, been here ever since. You know what I mean? That's kind of my right. journey so far. So what age, what age are we talking when you moved to Dundee? So I would have been 17. I had my 18th birthday in the Mardi Gras in Dundee. I don't know if you've ever, you ever, ever went there. No. Famous nightclub. Obviously, you moved into Dundee. How long was it then before you got into music? And what was kind of the, the first kind yeah. of ventures in there? Well, so, I mean, I, I was into music first. I mean, if we go right back, first bits of music really was from mum and dad. That was kind of things like Rod Stewart, Runrig, mm-hmm. Stones, um, kind of Scottish music. Runrig was always being played by my mother and that, and I still love Runrig to this day, to believe it or not. You know, I love Runrig stuff, but that was kind of my first Genesis, stuff like that. I remember being into Michael Jackson when I was younger. That's a bit fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> and then, I think uh, I've all got that in it, isn't it? <laughs> guilty pleasure. No, no. Hmm. And then kind of the 90s came, and I, I got handed a tape from one of my friends, um, one of my best friend's brother, who's a bit older than us, gave me definitely maybe, and he said, uh, have a listen to that. And that was it. I was hooked like 90, 94, early 95, the whole Britpop explosion thing. I was sort of turning 14, 15, 13, 14, something like that, you know, and Britpop and Ocean Colour Scene and Shed 7 and TFI Friday, just everything oh, exploded. It's just amazing, man. It's just. Yeah, but uh, get back and watch. You can get all the old TFI Fridays yeah. on YouTube. Oh, I listen to Chris Evans every morning. He right. comes on in my Amazon Lexa at quarter to eight, and I listen to his radio show. And he's always talking about them times, and he's talking about revamping TFI actually in February, possibly just right. replaying the old shows. But that's what I remember about the nineties: just cider, summer nights, uh, Oasis, um, and that kind of kind of formed and shaped me. I picked the guitar up um, because of Oasis. I got given a definitely maybe sort of tablature book and I spent hours just mastering that in my room when I was 13, 14, just learning every bit of that album, all the chords, all the lead bits and just being immersed in like Nebworth and just that whole Oasis phenomenon. Like it was just, it totally consumed my life for about, well, still has, but it consumed my sort of, you know, uh, junior life there, which yeah. I was like, it's right. It's kind of life-changing, isn't it? Oh, it was. Those, those times. It was, because it was just, it was nothing else. You didn't have the internet, you didn't have mobile phones, you had, you know, mm. music meant more, definitely did, you know, you, you would queue up for CDs, tickets, you know, you would record things off the radio and yeah. everything just meant more, you know, everything just meant more. Your walls were plastered with posters and there was a buzz around it, you know, it was just... It was amazing. I remember going to my first ever Oasis concert. It was my first ever gig. It was 1997, the Be Here Now tour in Aberdeen, Travis supporting. It was my first experience of like crowded room. Yeah. And I remember being in the pit just before Oasis came on and fainting because of the heat. 
and just not experiencing the madness of what was just the way to happen, you know, and then Liam comes out to be here now and the whole place yeah. just erupts and I was hooked for live music then, you know what I mean? I was like, this is it for me. Like, I, I want to be on that stage, you know, so I kind of uh, carried on playing the guitar, had some soul bands, um, kind of took a bit of a different direction late 90s. I kind of got really immersed in dance music right. <laughs> and uh, everything that was kind of going on um, around about that time, um, I was just, I just loved sort of techno and um, darkly dance floors and dark, dingy clubs and all the rest of it. Um, and I kind of got immersed in that for about two or three years, um, you know, um, but obviously still loving guitar music, but kind of immersed in sort of dance music as well, like Chemical Brothers, Left Field, you know. Um, I, it's, that's decent dance music, though, you know what I mean? That's no just all your radio friendly stuff. That's Oh, no, no. That's top-notch stuff. Yeah, the Chemical Brothers, like those albums in the back end of the 90s and um, the stuff they did with like Barnard Summer, like Out of Control and Surrender and just... I was the master in that stuff. Mm. I loved it. Um, so yeah, and then kind of when I I went to college in 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 Perth and did audio engineering, and that's where I met um, the guitarist from the Rise, John, who was John Nickel. He was on the same course. You know, we just kind of hit it off. We we're mm. like, like, let's just get a band together. Let's see what happens. I had some songs. We started rehearsing, um, and then he was like, oh, I've got a friend who could play bass. Jono, who was the singer in the rise, and he played me one of his songs and he started singing. I was like, nah, you need to be the singer here. So it kind of that's where the rise was born in Dundee. So that was round about 2002, 2003. Right. Um, so we had we were rehearsing, we we're sort of playing my songs, my sort of early soloy sort of poppy songs, along with kind of heavier sort of Led Zeppelin-y style riffy songs and we didn't really find our way. We were kind of, we were doing some good stuff in Dundee. We were in between sort of 2003 and 2004, we headlined the reading rooms. You know, um, internet really wasn't a thing at that point. There was no kind of online streaming. It was just more kind of word of mouth at that point. Mm -hmm. So it's hard on um, the market then, isn't it? It's yeah. To build up a fan base. It was going around and plastering uh, A4 bits of paper on lampposts and mm -hmm. kind of just building up a playing around the town every other weekend and just trying to build up a following. Um, so we were kind of one of a few bands that were on the scene at that time. The first band that we ever played with was um, Retro, which who became the law. Right. So um, the first gig I ever had in Dundee was at the old Westport bar before it got knocked down. And I remember... I remember Stu Parvey, the first time I ever met him was mm -hmm. um, he strolled in, he, there was a staircase up to the old Westport bar and he came in in this full-blown Barbary jacket. Really? You no, know, like head-to-tail Barbary jacket and just strolled in the room just like, fucking hell, who's that? Who's that? Um, yeah, and that's the first time I ever met Stu and he was the first one who ever gave us a gig was um, retro, they were, before really? they got, um, before they were long, before they got Stevie and and yeah, we were just playing around the circuit um, and it was really kind of around about 2004 that we got into, well, we were into the music. Um, we listened to the music's first album. Mm -hmm. That kind of changed 
changed all our directions like me john and john or like we were like hooked on that album hooked on that dance beat mm-hmm. i think that's kind of like the, the, the chemical brothers and all that yeah, sort of stuff. yeah just like that that beat and that dance and um and like sort of led zeppelin and the big riffs and all that and it was just like this is this is what we got into and we started writing mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of how we formed our sound as the rise so we were we were kind of on the scene for a good couple of years before before the view boys came along right um and that's when everything sort of changed for dundee and that's kind of how where do we pick up from there i guess well that's i mean that's how I, i've come to know you so because yeah. of the view because when the view came out i get right into the dundee scene i've never been to dundee right have you not? <laughs> no never i was meant to go to the last view concert and to sell my ticket i couldn't get time oh, off no. work i get into the view and i get into all the bands right away yeah. so like who was it there was a, the band the trend oh yeah uh, obviously ronnie was in the brogues at that point yeah. as well yeah the view the law uh louvana and yeah. I, I just kind of most of my myspace and bebo friends were all folk for dundee i'd never yeah. met but i just i'd, I'd seen them at gigs or whatever and i just got yeah. talking to them so i mean it was a brilliant scene but obviously you were right in the middle of it so can I just yeah, no. With that? yeah no i was kind of thinking about that the day and just thinking how, how just gloriously epic it all was you know and how quick it all kind of came and went um, I was trying to kind of recall the first time I ever met the View Boys, and I think it was. I'm trying to trace it back now, but I think it was. It was at an Oasis concert at Hamden Park, right. and I think the View were fairly new on the scene, and they were just about. They was going to be supporting us in Dundee, so this was around about 2005. And I remember it was, it was Pete and Kyle, or either Pete and Kieran. It was one of the two. They came running up to me in the Oasis gig, and I was like, oh, we've got a gig with you, we've got a gig with you in Dundee, you know, you're from the Rise, and I was like, oh, yeah, great, that's amazing, like, they were really totally sound, I was like, oh, I can't wait, brilliant, see you at the gig, you know? Um, and then, just after that, we were in rehearsals, and I remember, in the Rise, and I remember the guitarist's girlfriend at the time used to babysit, I think, Kyle, when he was younger, right. um, and they came in with a CD, and I was like, listen to this, right? And this was like one of the first ever demos. So they played Streetlights and Claudia. And I was just like, that's it. That's it. You know what I mean? Like I remember listening to Claudia and going, That's that's it. You know what I mean? This that's 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 fucking amazing. You know what I mean? Right. Like that listen to listen to that, listen to the song, listen to the voice. And I was like, we're way off that, you know what I mean? We're like we're a dancey rock band, you know. The, this is what this is what's this is this is new, but it's totally mm. refreshing, you know what I mean? I remember hearing that and just going, fuck, that's that's amazing. And then we did a few gigs with them where they were supporting us, but it quickly it quickly turned yeah. around because the support for them was was unreal really quickly. But it was really good to just witness watching them from like like really young lads writing mm-hmm. the music, really enthusiastic, um, really talented musicians, um, just learning their trade on the live scene and then watching that journey explode and them taking over the world briefly, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was really mesmerizing to watch, you know, from the roots right the way through. We did, we did a few small gigs with them. It was just chaos. Remember there was fights breaking out in the crowds and bottles getting smashed everywhere. And it was just like, this is madness. You know what I mean? And they were, 
they were on the same sort of management label as us, Two Thumbs at the time. We right. just done it. We did an EP up at Teapot Studios. So there was loads of there was all interconnections with Grant, with the Rise and View mm -hmm. and the Law, and you know everybody was kind of part of this whole whole scene. So everybody in Dundee was just like this big big family. Everybody knew each other, and it was just a really sort of mesmerising time. Key points in that journey were like when they played Tea Break the first year. Mm -hmm. um, that was just off the scale. Just remember, nobody had a crowd like that that whole weekend. And then when they walked on stage in 2006, the place just went it just went off. I've got video footage of that, and it's just on my, like a wee, really crappy camera phone. I just remember thinking, "This is this is just mental." You know, they, they were playing the Doghouse the week before, and then they're yeah. just smashing out uh, the Tea Break stage. Um, what else? Like the really good memories of those times. Remember, they used to they used to borrow a lot of band equipment off us, like snare drums, um, whatever they needed. Basically, we just shared equipment around everybody. And I remember we we just come back from playing the Global Battle of the Bands. So this was the thing where we went down to London, represented Scotland um, in the Global Battle of the Bands, and we played the London Astoria, and we came third in the world, which won us a trip to Mexico play in front of like a quarter of a million people right so we just come off the back of that and they were just about to go down and play in london um to endicott i think they were just going right. down to london and needed some gear so we were all working so we came down at lunchtime on our lunch break up to the doghouse um to give them stuff and they were like what do you want do you want to hear a song we've just wrote and we're like aye crack on and they just they just belted out the dawn um, and I, we were just sitting there going, fucking bastards, we're on our lunch break. You know, <laughs> and you guys are writing these fucking amazing songs, but kudos to them, you know what I mean? They jacked their jobs in and they went for it full time. It's something that I, I've never done, something I never could do. You know, I had other commitments and I was just probably, you know, I had mortgages at that point and you know, yeah. I had a, had a job and like, you know, I was always kudos to them. You know, it was just like fucking yeah. amazing lads. Yeah. See when they played these songs to you, like for the first time, like Claudia and the Dawn and, and Streetlight, stuff like that, do you think they realised at the time how good they were? I know. Blase about it. Totally blase. I remember, I remember just, they were just like, yeah, just wrote it. Just because <laughs> that's what we're working on the day. And I was just like, because it was like, it was, it was just mental that song, you know what I mean? It's like ding, 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 ding. It was just like, how the fuck did you just come up with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so clever, like the words, and um, you just knew that they were gonna. They, and like, first and foremost, with a view, I, I was always a fan of the band. In second, you know, I'd like to think I was friends of the band as well. Um, and it's just like I, I just loved all the success that they got from it. it. I mean, personally, it was on on. You know, it was hard to watch for myself because it was something that I wanted mm -hmm. and then in watching them kind of get the number one go on tour sell out go around the world you know support Oasis uh, Noel Gallagher and do all the things that you dream of doing and watching yeah. somebody else do it but I was never resentful of it I was always like fair play to them you know what I mean they gave up what they had and they went for it and they were just the, they were the right band at the right time you know what I mean they were just yeah. the fresh air and I, I think they've done wonders for Dundee music scene and you know they still are, so hmm. it's great. You they know. were they were definitely the the band that I was looking for because I, yeah. I was Libertines. Libertines was my band, 
Yeah. And then it was cut. There wasn't anything like the Libertines are as good as the Libertines until the view came along. They were yeah. they were like a Scottish Libertine, certainly. I know, wasn't it? It was just like I remember watching all their music videos and just thinking, they they just look great. You know what I mean? They look mm. look fun. They just look like a band. You know what I mean? They're all the same height. They had you know cool hairdos. They just fucking look great as a band. Yeah. Um. You know, we we the band that I was in at the time, the Rise. We we had the songs, but we just didn't fit into the scene at all. You know what I mean? We didn't. Yeah. We didn't. We weren't the most aesthetically pleasing looking band. You know what I mean? We, we weren't about an image. It was just about the songs, and mm-hmm. um, we just believed in the music. You know, we believed that that would carry us over the line. But actually, that's not what, yeah. what was wanted around about that time. You know, we just well, didn't really get into that. It's because it's all about what the music industry wants and what NME wants at that time as well. It's kind of well, they, yeah. they've got the power. To, Make or break a band, don't they? So, absolutely. And like Dundee, the, the light that was on Dundee at that point, you know, we we got a shot of fame, you know, not shot of fame, we got a shot, you know, we got recognized for the, the song Black Monday that was in the enemy. Mm-hmm. It got played on Radio One. Um, you know, we got a tour out of it. You know, we did the things that you kind of dreamt about doing, just not on the scale of, um, you know, the way the view did it, but yeah. I got a taster into it, you know what I mean? I got a taste of what it could have been like if I kind of maybe went at it full time, but I've kind of always dipped into having a career and trying yeah. to keep my hand in music, and that's just that's just me, you know what I mean? So what happened then with the rise? I think when we came off, we went on a tour in 2006 where we went up and down the country in the back of a van, playing to nobody, literally playing to nobody with no money, getting washed in service stations and, uh, you know, being broke. And, you know, I think that ultimately just kind of, for some people in the band was like, this is not for me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go through that. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't for me, you know? And I think at that point, you know, like we just didn't really fit into the music scene and I don't know, it just kind of, it tailed off, um, yeah. tailed off, just tailed off. You know what I mean? Like, and then when, when the rice sort of tailed off, I just continued as myself. So mm-hmm. Alan from the rice is what I was at that point, just playing acoustic gigs, just playing my own stuff at that point. Um, I released an EP. Um, Life is meant for living. Love is meant for giving. And it was like four track EP. And um, I just went out and played that. And lucky enough, um, Kieran phoned me up one afternoon after i was pestering him like to get a support slot on the witch bitch tour and um he was like right we're playing in vaness and uh elgin uh forest do you want to come up to support before we go on i was like perfect so just jumped in the car went up and played the reg more and this is when they had the big tour buses they played the reg more and then the day after they played uh forest um, mm-hmm. and the brogues were supporting on that tour right sure as well um, so what were you, were you just solo then? You just... Yeah, no, I was just on my own. I remember burning 100 CDs with that EP on it mm-hmm. and uh, selling them on the March, the Views March stand. I, thought, I can't remember if it was Stevie O'Neill was on it. I think it was. Right. He was doing it right up until the end, I think. I can yeah, remember seeing him at the, the Barrowlands. That's right, yeah. So I just said to him, look, there's, sell them for a quid each. I think I sold, I sold them out and that paid for all my petrol. You know, anyone would buy a CD for a quid, you know what I mean? Whether it was mm. shite or not. But they, uh, I, 
that paid for like my petrol getting up and down to like Inverness and Dundee and Forest the next night. Um, yeah, that was that was I was mental that time because I remember going on the back of their bus after the gig, and Pete was like, "Oh, do you want a game of FIFA?" And I was just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I mean, like they were on this big fucking TV. He was sitting playing FIFA, and then you go up to the back. They had all the beds, and there was a big party afterwards. And just as you imagined it when you're growing up, yeah, I kind of I dipped my toe in it a little bit from being lucky enough to support them. And like, that's a good thing with the viewers that they always looked after the people, you know, their mates and the bands from Dundee, um, yeah. anybody that they liked. You know, they were always keen to kind of get local people on. And me being from the Highlands, you know. Helped yeah, me get well, that's what I thought that ties in quite well. You're going up there, yeah. Um, so they're always they're always good good with that. I mean, you can never fault them for giving us a gig or two, you know, uh, which was great. Um, so yeah, I was doing solo stuff for a bit, and then Lost City Soul came about around about 2010, mm-hmm. um, and that came out of oh, I played bass in the days for a little bit. Um, and I kind of enjoyed that for a bit, but kind of playing bass wasn't my thing. So I just said right. to them, look, I'm just going to go off and start a band. And that's where Lost City Soul came from. And Lost City Soul were already a sort of a band. Jamie, Fraser and Kieran had all kind of got something together. And I was mm-hmm. good friends with Kieran. And he said, look, Alan, he's a singer. They were all a bit like, oh, is he going to come in and make it the Alan Turner band? And I was just like, no, let's just make it Lost City Soul and we'll all contribute and that's what happened. And that, yeah. that that was kind of about three years. We were in Lost City Soul. And again, we got to support The View. So that was another tour. And this was kind of the on the bigger end of the scale. It was like, come and play the Ironworks right. and then come and play Aberdeen Music Hall on the um, um, uh, Bread and Circuses tour. Right. So that was phenomenal. You know what I mean? That was like taking it up to the next level for me anyway, playing those. I mean, I played the Ironworks before. But I hadn't played to the sort of crowd that the view brought. Um, and then the very next night or a couple of nights later, we played the Aberdeen Music Hall, which was just incredible. You know what I mean? That was like one of my career highlights for me anyway, was getting on that stage and playing through a, you know, a, a kind of hall that size. Um, just incredible. Yeah. Again, the view boys just sorting that out. You know what I mean? It's just really kudos to them for kind of getting us on board with that. Right. Really good for that. Just right. hey, sorry. Just on Lost City Soul. What sort of sound were you aiming for with, with him? What do you think you were? So I was epic, epic emotional indie. Right. Because that, that's <laughs> his, that's what I was do you know what I would say you were like? You you sounded like embrace. Aye. Right. And embrace embrace like obviously I said the Libertines before the Libertines embrace was my band. They were like my kind of brick pop band. And that's how I like Jews when I hear Jews. I thought you said yeah. really like them. Like a good good embrace. Like yeah, before, I mean, they, like, before they went a wee bit soft and ah, their their first album's amazing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was a huge embrace fan. The first couple albums are really good. Um and actually out of nothing, that album's really good as well. Oh great band, great band. You know, that's good to be compared to them. I think I've I've I was a big fan of um well the band. We were all big fans of the Joshua Tree and U2. Right. So we were big fans of kind of like the streets have got no name and that sound that the edge brought, um, kind of that delayed kind of picking, mm-hmm. echoey vibe. Um, so Fraser, the guitarist, he was really good at that, creating that sound. And I think 
that's kind of what we were going to sort of a U2 stroke indie band, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing, we weren't trying to like be anything other than what we were, you know what I mean? It was like, I enjoyed that band, I loved it. It was yeah. really good times with that. Um, uh, you, you, uh, you were highly rated with me anyway, like, thank you very much. Um, was, you were one of the bands that kind of. Whenever I spoke to people, they'd never heard of you, but I was like, how have you not heard of this band when they were really good? But I think that was just the Dundee thing again. Like, that was just, everything was Dundee. Well, yeah, no, it was, it was, kind, of a, it was kind of a flash in the pan. That, like, I was really dedicated to it, and um, for one reason or another, other people weren't, and that's how it kind of just fell apart. And I felt we had more in us. There were some songs. We just did an album with Two Thumbs that had just come out, um, Testing Time. And there were some really good songs on there. I don't think we got the album right. It was kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound. When you listen back to it now, I think we could have got a better sound. But it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it. It was um, some good times, man. And like through the view gigs, we got to know Sound of Guns, and um, we ended up touring with them in Scotland um, towards the you know the end of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some wild nights out with them. So you know. they boys look wild, <laughs> look wild, and they're they're a band I miss as well. They, yeah, I thought they could do oh. any massive things. I didn't understand how they. Again, you just don't know what's going on internally, but they were great. Mm. But I, they were. I remember hearing them. I remember going to see them in um, in Stirling. It was a free gig in two thousand and ten, right? And it was. Uh, remember that you've been to Stirling, yeah. No, no. <laughs> there's a wee, there's a place that does gigs in Stirling. It's a kind of like a studenty bar, and they just, I remember, it's, I don't know how I knew they were playing, but it was a free gig. I was like, fuck, I'm going to see them. There was nobody there, and right. the sound was shite. But I've got again, I've got a video clip of it. They were, they were fucking immense at that point as well. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, I, I just remember hearing Architects on that BBC on YouTube on BBC when they did the session. I was like, fuck, that boy's voice is insane. And like, yeah. you know, when him and Kyle got together, they were just like twins, you know what I mean? They were just fine. It was just, that tour was mental. Like Andrew, is it Andrew Metcalf and his yeah, daughter's yeah. in a band? Aye, that's uh, this, I aye. can't mind the name of them, but they had a couple of releases. But I, I think he was meant right, yeah. I think he was meant to do some solo stuff and I don't know what happened. He, he kind of... Well, they had a band it. called... Had a band called Guide. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, it. Yeah, there was a boy from Dundee who was managing them, and they had a couple of other sort of boys from other bands in it, and that was kind of taking shape. But for one reason or other, that fell apart. I don't know what happened, but mm-hmm. it's a shame. Maybe I mean I've still got the boys, some of the boys are from Sound of Guns on Instagram, and um, they've got another band at the moment called The Shadow Mountains. I think it's called Lee and um, oh, Christ, names forget. I forget, but um, yeah, they've got another band at the moment. But Nathan, Nathan and Lee, um, yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've messaged them a couple of times over the year. when thieves when we were gigging in thieves. I was speaking to Nathan asking for gigs down in Liverpool. Um, Liverpool's great, love it. Um, so yeah, that was Lost City Soul, that kind of fell apart. I had my first kid around that point, so when the band finished, I had my little girl in 2013, so I didn't actually support them or. I didn't support them on the Cheeky for the Reason tour. It's the only tour that right. I never never played with them on, which is a bit of a shame. 
could have had a full house there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was off being a sort of a dad. I went to see them still. Um, album's great. Loved it. You know, I've seen them on that tour. Um, still kept in touch with them. And in between that time, sort of 2014, 15, I was, um, you know, Crash Club. Uh, so this was news to me, this Crash Club. I, just, I know they'd work with singers. So I knew they'd work with Ian McCannon and Tony Costello. Yep. Uh, but I didn't realise that you'd work with them as well. So, uh, tell oh, me yeah. That. Yeah. So me and Neil and Aaron have known each other long before Crash Club, um, going back to when they were in a band called The Front. Do you remember them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they used to come to Dundee and do gigs when we were in the rise. So we kind of had a similar sort of sound because he was dead into like kind of primal scream and scream Adelica and that mm-hmm. kind of dancey full on mental. They had this mental lead singer. I can't remember his name, but he was, he was nuts. Like, um, and so that's how we knew Neil and Neil was like an adopted Dundonian because he was, he was part of the scene in the sort of 2000 and, six onwards 2005 he kind of was always in Dundee always at parties always at the gigs you know he was always kind of floating about um so I always seen him we always kept in touch um and obviously internet was born and Facebook came about and he started up Crash Club and I was loving what they were doing you know what I mean it was like Mm -hmm. this is my band you know what I mean like dance music guitar music um sort of electronic kind of indie dance music I was like this is fucking amazing loved it and so we just kept in touch for that. And I actually, you know, I was a big, big lover of the band, a big fan of the band. And um, he's like, do you want to, do you want to sing on a track? I was like, yeah, fucking right I do. Yeah. So send, he sent me a track called Tesla and I put a melody over it and then sent him it. And he was like, this is fucking great. Loved it. And um, so I started um, just going through to Glasgow and, on on weekends and just singing that song in the sort of crash club set. Um, did a few tenement trails. Um, we did two nights, two gigs in one night in tenement trail. We did um, we did sleazies and then we did sleazies in the art school. Right. Um, and then a year later we did the one in flat. Was it flat one? Flat one or one? Flat <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and that was when. There was a video of it all, um, mm-hmm. tenement, uh, the Tenement Trail used on the site where Ian was singing. I went to the studio and did did the track with him. Same time that they did the track with Ian, I, w- I went to the studio with him and did Tesla. Um, there's a recording of it, um, and it's fucking brilliant. I don't know why we didn't do anything with it. It's um, it's on it's on amazing radio. Got mm-hmm. played on there. Um, and lucky enough, we just kept in touch. And because of all the sort of time we spent with them, they invited me to play tea in the park. And that was just kind of monumental, career-defining moment for me. You know, I spent spent fifteen years going to that field, dreaming of playing, mm-hmm. and I finally, lucky enough, got to play with them at Teen the Park 2015. Did Amazing. you find that funny? Like just kind of thinking all the time you'd watch the view, and kind of thought that's what you want to do, and you would probably go there somewhere in a band like that, and it never happened for you, and then you end up Mental. doing it with yeah. Crash Club instead. I couldn't believe it when they said, you're, you know, I remember Neil saying to me, look, you're coming to Team the Part. I was just like, mate, you don't know what this means to me, you know, like, that's, I've been trying, I've applied every year, I've 
you know, it's it's not, you know, Crash Club isn't my band, it's their band, you know, but they're inviting me to come and play uh, Tea in the Park. It was just, um, it felt fucking great, you know, they knew how much it meant to me and, like, I couldn't have thanked them any more than, than I did over, you know, over those years and still do, you know, still yeah. reminisce and thank them for doing it. Yeah, it was, it was, it felt like it was meant to be, you know what I mean? Like, I tried so hard that yeah. somebody just went, you know what, you put so much effort in, here you go. Here's yeah. your kind of here's your 15 years worth of trying <laughs> in a in a three minute song on stage, you know. So I was like, I'll take it. You know, I mean, it was a, an amazing experience, and I'm ever thankful to the boys. And yeah, no, we just kept in touch. They kind of carried on. Um, I think we did a couple more gigs, and then yeah, they've. It's a shame. I think unfortunately they kind of disbanded. Neil's got a new thing now, Autobahn '86. Right. banging you know really good doing remixes and that and he's done some remixes of thieves stuff um we just haven't put it out um mm-hmm. but yeah we still keep in touch he's a great lad classman is a good friend him and his brother and all the boys in the band just great glasgow lads brilliant excellent so, so yeah and actually that, that probably sorry that that probably suited you then with just moving into fatherhood at that time because you weren't then having to yeah. anything full time or whatever yeah, no, it worked really well. And and again, I was just about to say that I forgot that we supported the, the view on the rope walk tour in right. Edinburgh with Crash Club. So that was my <laughs> final that was my final support slot with the the view on that album. So I managed to support them on every single album apart from um Cheeky for a Reason. Right. So that was the sort of full house. Um and then Fast forward a few years, um, and uh, I started up. Well, I started to manage a band from Dundee called Carousel. Have you ever heard of them? Yes. So in really between, yeah, in between Thieves and Crash Club, I kind of went right. Do I get in another band? I've got kids. You know, there's a lot of lot to do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll uh, I'll start. I'll manage a band. <laughs> I'll get into that. And um, I originally started off playing the bass in Carousel because they were looking for a bass player. I was like, I'll come and play bass for you. I'll help you out. Then I was like, yeah, I'm a bit old for this. You know, I don't really fit into the way this band looks. You know, you should probably get mm-hmm. a bassist in and I'll help you. You know what I mean? And that turned into sort of management and then I became their manager. That was mental. You know, that first couple of years, just using all my experience of what I've known over the sort of previous 10 years and, kind of guiding them and helping them with all the contacts I've got, how to kind of do things, how to speak to people, how to get gigs, how to organise a tour, how to get a van, you know, how to kind of release music, how to kind of do artwork, do your promotions, you know, contacts in the kind of live book a tour, speak to the venues and do all that for them, which I loved doing, you know what I mean? It was a lot of sort of background admin and then you could go to the gigs and not have to worry about, yeah. drinking, you know, singing and doing all the kind of pressured stuff, you know what I mean? It was just kind of taking a back seat, watching it all evolve. And we got them to we got them to transmit, you know, they were the first band, they were the first yeah. band to ever ever open transmit. Yeah, I really liked them. Talk me later on about fees, but like what's happening with Carousel then is Bradley still doing that, continuing that himself, because I've not really seen much of him. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a weird spiderweb all that, you know what I mean? Like me and, me and Bradley, like, we had a bit of a disagreement up in right. Wick. Um, and I kind of just said, you know what, like, 
it's not for me anymore. Like I'm spending this time away from my family and um, it's not working. You know what I mean? I'm not going to take this shit. So I just kind of said, right, that's it for me. Um, and they, they, they cracked on. Um, and it was kind of in between that point where they were just sort of doing their own thing. Um, I was like, do you know what? I've got all these songs. I really need to go and I need to get this out of my system. Like I need to give it one more go. I'm not going to sit here and just sit on all this music and just think what if, you know what I mean? So I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. You know what I mean? Let's start a band. <laughs> so I said to Brad and Paddy at the time, I'm just going to, I'm going to do a solo album. I'm going to do a solo album. Um, can you help me get the songs together? Um, so we went in and start, I got a drummer, a friend of mine, Gogs, who is my cousin's, one of my cousin, uh, one of my wife's cousin's best friend. I met him on a stag do. He used to be in a band called um, The Get Downs. You remember them? Yeah. He was the yeah. drummer in the. He was the drummer in the Get Downs, and he supported the View in the Carrot Hall. Right. And we were on a stag do in Budapest, in all sorts of mess. And uh, it's like I, I play the drums, and I was like, Fucking, I'm looking for a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> so I do the Let Downs. We we used to play together. And then all the Let Downs, the, the Get Downs. <laughs> We used to play in a band. We we played together back in the day. I was like, "Fucking hell, don't remember you." But let's get something on the go, and and that's how he came in in the drums. And then Paddy, um, I went out for a bass player, and then Ronnie was like, "I'll help you out," because me and him always talked about doing a band together. And then it just so happened he was looking to to do something. I was like, "Right, you come in and play the bass." And then Paddy was like, "Well, I'll help you out," but he was still in Carousel. Yeah. And then it got a bit, it got a bit awkward, um, and I think Paddy and Paddy decided. Well, yeah, right. I wasn't stopping and being in Carousel, but I think it just it got a bit. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, he, he came and started playing. Happened, didn't he? he came and started playing with Thieves, and Carousel kind of took a break. But I think Brad was Brad That's himself became a father. Yeah, he became a father and took a bit of a break. So yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, me and him sort of fell out for a wee bit, but we're kind of back on track now. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, party <laughs> going. Um, so that's how Thieves were born. And then, obviously, we got uh, our first gig was supporting Kyle on the No Thank You Tour. So that completes the full cycle. Yeah. Of... <laughs> so how did that work? Because there was a point where Ronnie was in Kyle's band, wasn't there? That's right, yeah. Um, so, was asked before fees or kind of just helping out with both fees or what? No, so I think um, for whatever reason it wasn't working out in Kyle's band, and yeah, you know he wasn't playing bass anymore for Kyle. Um, and yeah, I just put a notice up on I think I put it on Facebook saying anybody any bass players out there, and Ronnie just messaged me saying, "Look, I'll be up for it." So I was like, "Great." Because I know I know what his harmonies are like, and I was like, I need somebody who can sing harmonies. That was one of the one of the things on the advert was like, you need to sing harmonies and play the bass. And I was like, Ronnie would be perfect. So Ronnie came in. I had I had a whole batch of songs all ready to go, and then that took about three or four months to kind of get ready in the studio. And then we went into Magic Box in Dundee and did Dreamers and Casino around about March April time in two thousand and. 18 and we were like we didn't we couldn't believe how well dreamers we were going to put casino out was the first song 
Mm-hmm. But we couldn't believe how good Dreamers was. And everyone was like, that needs to be the single, that needs to be the single. So put that out and then, you know, people were buzzing off it. Yeah, it really oh, they were brilliant. Both brilliant songs. I'm trying yeah. to think where I seen these. I seen these. It must have been supporting Kyle. That's where I seen these. And then my pal, Stevie Moffat, he's been on a couple of episodes before. Yeah. He must have seen these somewhere else, separate. Because I mind him yeah. texting me saying, oh, that, 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 that's new band, Fee's really good. And I thought, I know. I've seen them. But I, te- I told you about this months ago. And it was probably the first time that I'd told him about a band before he told me. Right. But he couldn't remember it. He was blitzed that night and he was, he was raving about his. I might have been in Dunfermline, actually. Was it? Might have been PJs. Yeah, PJs. I remember. I mean, he was tweeting about it the day after. Like, I remember mm-hmm. he was tweeting about, like, saying Snats are his favourite band, but Thieves are yeah. Thieves are his next favourite band. Um but yeah, no, it was, really, it was great. It was a good buzz because we put that out and then we put Casino out in kind of late September, October, and that was just pre the EH, EH6 Festival in Edinburgh. So yeah. we had a really sort of good buzz around us around that time. Um, and then we went into 2019. We did two tracks again. We put Angel out in March and then we sold out our first ever gig in Dundee. That sold out in like 48 hours in Conroy's. Obviously, that was great publicity, and we were kind of getting booked on other things, and things were starting to move forward. We got our first kind of sort of not major festival, but festival around Scotland. And um, oh god, I can't remember these things now. What the hell was that called? Um, something in the park. What was it called? Uh, Pilot Park. Pilot in park, the Palace. Something like that. I. Pilot in the Palace. So we got a really good slot on that. We had a great crowd there. Things were just moving forward, and then fucking yeah. hell, September hits, and then we get our guitarist Paddy was like, um, and our dr- our keyboardist Clenny was a drummer in Billy Mitchell's band, right. and Paddy was the guitarist in Billy Mitchell's band full time, and Billy was taken off. Well, he is taken off. You know, he's a great musician, yeah. great songs, great lad. And yeah, because Paddy was here. Paddy was playing. With Billy Mitchell at St. Luke's and they support the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, like we. That's how I couldn't keep up with you. So I, I, I don't know who's in what band. I've, no, I know. Just keep chucking each other a bit. Well, this is it. And it, I, like, to be fair, like, this is what happened with Carousel and then Thieves. And now it's happened with Thieves and Billy Mitchell. And, mm. and I said, me and Billy spoke and we're like, look, let's just fucking work, we'll work around it, you know, and like, we'll just use Paddy the best way we can. But both of us, more so Billy, was starting to get, you know, more demanding schedule and he was going on sort of booking tours way in advance. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to book tours as well at the same time and it was clashing. And I was just like, Do you know what? Like either you're gonna be one or the other. I don't, you know, either you're gonna be with us or you're not. Simple as that. And we just gave the ultimatum. Um and they were like, Well, I don't wanna choose, but you know, I don't want to not be in Thieves, but, you know, I'm not going to leave Billy's band. So I was like, well, I'll just have to make the decision for you. You know, I just have to make that really tough decision and say, like, I need someone who's going to be with us full time. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? It was fucking shite because yeah. people fell out. You know what I mean? It was horrible. But we're all right now. But, you know, I love Paddy being in the band. I miss him dearly. You know what I mean? I was a fucking mate of mine. But yeah. kind of either that or fucking what? You know what I mean? Like having to like juggle 
other people's priorities. And I'm not getting any younger. And it was at that point I was like, I've got to make a crack at this now. You know what I mean? I've got to give it everything that I've got. You know what I mean? You boys have got 10, 15 years on me. I don't. So like, mm-hmm. I need you here now with me or not. You know what I mean? As selfish as that sounds, I was like, I just need to make this happen for for me, you know? Yeah. But, no, that's a, you need to be like that. You need to be driven. You need yeah. to be focused and know what you want. So, yeah. so, so that what have we got? Have we still got Ronnie then? So we still got Ronnie at this point. And um, we we went out for a new guitarist. Um, I kind of had somebody in mind, had a couple of guitarists in mind, but it was like big shoes to fill with Paddy. You know what I mean? I was like, I had to get the right person. And Paul... Paul Markey had retired from playing the guitar. He was like a guitar hero god in um, the Mirror Trap. I don't know if you ever listened to them. Yeah. They were a big band, you know. Um, they were signed to Sony and did a lot of big tours with Placebo in Russia and Asia. And you know, they did a they did their album in Thailand. Did loads of cool stuff. Um, so I just messaged saying, "Look, mate, you're the man for this job. Are you going to come out of retirement or not?" Um, these are the songs. There's no pressure, you know. There's no demanding schedule. We're not going after a huge record deal. We're just going to release music, do gigs, and just do it for the fun of it. You know what I mean? Like, are you up for it? Took a bit of persuasion, quite a lot of persuasion, <laughs> but eventually, eventually got him. Um, and he's sound, man. He's he fitted in perfect. He's been round here loads. We've written loads together. He's a proper decent guy and yeah. amazing musician with loads of stories to tell and just a top guy, you know what I mean? Really good guy. So he came in and then we were like, right, here we go again. Ronnie's in, Paul's in, we're all ready to go again. And then Ronnie joins Carcel. <laughs> right, see <so> Ronnie. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I wasn't sure if Ronnie had, had Ronnie been on Carcel before. So this is so this is this is what happened. He was like, "I'm just going to help them on the bass." Right? Yeah. So I was like, "Right, fine. As long as you're just helping them on the bass, then you're full time with us. Then it's cool." But that then turned into right. Well, I'm away. I'm away off to a gig, and uh, I'll see. You know, book a book a rehearsal. I'll be there, and then I'm not. And then I'm not being there because he was at a gig with Carcel. And this <laughs> happened a couple of times, and we were just like, "Ronnie, sorry, mate, but." Right. If, if Paddy and Clenny are being thrown out of the band for the same thing, I can't keep keep you in the band if you're going to do the exact same thing. It's not fair. So, yeah, sorry, mate, but you know, um, as far as Steve's concerned, that's that's the end of the road for you. I'm, I'm afraid. Again, having to make a really shit decision, but you know, I was I, I was just had to deal. I had to do it. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's either he's that. You should almost be walking about up Dundee just no talking to anybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> thing is, we're all we all speak to each other now. You know what uh, I mean? Like. Everyone's. That's, that's the I, mean, I, know, I know Ronnie for, as I say, for the Brogues and then the Twist and Thieves, Kyle Faulkner's band, eh, Anna's. So you've done lots of bands that I know, and then they're probably, probably about double that that I don't know about. Well, that's it. I mean, that's the great thing about Dundee. Everybody kind of knows each other. It's a great community. Um, great. Thing is, there's a lot of musicians, but you don't want just anybody in your band. You want kind of somebody you know, somebody you yeah. get on with, somebody you've got a bit of history with. And you know, Ronnie was that person. You know what I mean? I just, it just he just chose to go into Carousel. So I was just like, well, 
You know, yeah. I mean, that's your choice, mate. You know, and you go like, I'm not going to stop you, but I need a full-time bass player. So we went out and got somebody else, which was really kind of cool. We got a guy from Manchester who just moved to Dundee randomly, seen the advert, amazing bass player, a guy called Alex. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's from Manchester. He's got some really cool stories as well and great bass player. So we got him in at the end of 2019 restarted Thieves again with a whole new sound, new set of songs, keeping the old ones, but kind of adjust them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Went into the studio in March 2020, um, recorded this song called Queens, which is fucking insane, right? Insanely fucking good. Um, and uh, fucking coronavirus hit. And so, yeah. you know, we, we sat on it. We had we had a comeback gig at the end of April. We were going to release the, the new single, relaunched the band and you know this new sound that Paul's bought uh, brought along this new kind of edgy guitar sound which is fucking insane um, and just launch again and go for it and see what happens you know what I mean and then coronavirus hit and all musicians yeah. are fucked you know what I mean? that's fucked everything up isn't it? <laughs> that's, I listen to one of your songs a day one of the, the latest ones on Spotify and it was right in old Gallicary what was that? Is what it is. Aye. Yeah. Really, really that, no that, that was the last sort of thieves song that we did. So that's me. You know what I mean? That I'm not going to shy away from my song songwriting. Mm. That's just me through and through. Like big no Gallagher influenced, and I can write songs like that all day long. You know what I mean? But they they're just for a certain market. You know what I mean? Like certain yeah certain people. They're not they're not going to blow anybody away. They're just the fucking good indie pop songs. You know what I mean? They're not. They're not cutting edge, you know what I mean? They're not over oh, the night. I, I fucking you, love it. Have you heard that boy, Andrew Cushion? Andrew I have, yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of, see, I think he got a big break off him. I think he, no, he's he a no, but he's he really... It's the thing with that, though. So I listened to the song that he did with Noel. Noel produced it. It was all Noel's band. Um, obviously, it's Andrew's song, but it's just got Noel all over it. Noel yeah. does backing vocals, guitars and all that. So when it came out, I was just like... I mean, you've just pigeonholed yourself right into yeah. fucking sounding like Noel. You know what I mean? You had that kind of edge of being on your own there. Now you've kind of, it's not a bad thing, you know, but. No, but that's like, fan base of them going to want that sort of music all the time, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, it's a weird, so around about that time when he released that song. So I do a lot of songwriting um, as well um, mm -hmm. when I'm not, when I'm not doing it for the band, I'll just write songs uh, for musicians in, in, in my mind. So I've been trying, I've been writing songs, trying to get them out to artists, like kind of up and coming singers. So I approached Andrew, I've approached about a few other people. Kyle's helped me. He's given me some feedback right. on some of the tracks and um, he's really good like that. Just to kind of give me pointers on, on um, what to do with them and how to sort of maybe go a different direction, maybe make them kind of, put a female vocalist on it or, you know, mm -hmm. so that's been cool. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm big into songwriting. Um, <laughs> I kind of would love to do that for a living, you know, write songs for people. Yeah. Um, well, I seen you won, was it, you got some award the other day, didn't you? Yeah, no, so I put a song I wrote last year into the UK songwriting contest and it got like the, it got, like five stars, like the highest commended entry you can get without it going to the sort of semi-final, final stage. So that's mm -hmm. the second time I've been awarded for that. Uh, so that's two. 
um, two awards. Um, yeah. and is, is this one for the is it the short, is it song about one of your kids? Yeah, yeah, I wrote that yeah. for my little Melvin. Ah, that's really a nice one. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, no, I'm a bit emotional when I finished yeah. it. Like, but I also felt quite guilty because I was like, "Fuck, I'm going to need to write one for my son." Because <laughs> 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 uh, it'll be a present for her when she's older. You know what I mean? She didn't really quite get it at this age, but yeah. it'll be for when she's older. But obviously, Max is going to hear that and go, "Where the fuck's my song?" You know? And I'm like, right. I'll get you one, mate. I'll get you one. So yeah, I'm under pressure to write him one. But um no, I love the songwriting. I do, I do. I met um, if I could do that full time, I would. Is your which young little girl called? Poppy. Poppy, because you, you couldn't call her Liam, could you? <laughs> I've seen that thing in the paper about it. Oh mate, yeah. So that was uh so yeah, so we got the scan and I I tell you what, it looked like Liam Gallagher in the scan. Oh, so I but my mate texted me, he's like, you should send that into the paper. So I was like, fuck it, I'll send it in. And they, it went mental. It was mental. Like the, like the Sun picked up on it, the News of World picked up on it. It went all the way down to like, you know, the daily, like all the papers down in like England and yeah. just nuts. And like, it, it got to the point where you were getting the phone calls from like the week, sort of like the, the mums magazines going like, you know, we want we want to we want to put the story across all the mums magazines. I'm like, nah, fuck, stop, stop, just <laughs> I'll just take the. Uh, I think I got paid somewhere around the region of about seven hundred and fifty quid. I got out of all oh, the paper, right. so that paid for like paid for the pram, I think, something like that. I did. Right. So I was like, fuck it. But you know, she'll remember that in papers. <laughs> funny, funny, but yeah, she would have been Liam if it was a boy. Like, but I never got. And then by the time Max came along. Kind of went off that name, you know what I mean? I was like, nah, I can't call myself Liam now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, with COVID and stuff like that, you did some, you did a wee charity guy for the NHS. Yeah, that was just kind of. And that's the room that you're, you're in. Yeah, when it all kind of hit last year, I was just like, oh, fuck, we're all, we're all indoors, you know what I mean? And I've seen a few people doing online gigs. I was like, you know what, I haven't. I've done an acoustic gig on my own for a, a while. I'll just do it for the NHS, put mm-hmm. a link up, and then people seem to like it. Um, and I raised a bit of money, and I was like, right, I'll do another one. I'll do sort of 12 songs, 12 stories, kind of trying to make an event of it. And what I found was that it wasn't really about me playing. You know, it was about people kind of joining the chat within Facebook and just getting banter off each other and talking yeah. shite and just having that sort of, something to do at night you know what i mean like there's some tunes on they were listening but actually they were just more interested in talking shite to each other and taking the piss out of each other yeah um, which i don't understand that because i can't keep up with the, the speed of the time yeah. so like see, see when i see the comments and i think like i'll reply to that and then i've been like about 40 comments and yeah. i'm still writing me i, I can't get that oh, see like the, the third time i think i was like right i'll put it on instagram as well because people weren't on facebook so i was in here i had just set up here, I had like two different mic stands with like lyrics and chords just papered all over here. I had I had a, a phone on Instagram there with an with a tablet showing me what was going on on Instagram comments. Then I had a phone filming on Facebook. Then another phone showing me all the comments on Facebook. I was pretty drunk, and like I was operating four devices. While trying to remember all these songs written on a bit of paper, it was just insane. By the third one, I was just like, I'm not doing that again. It was just pure stress. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think I raised something like 
thirteen, fourteen hundred pounds for the NHS was just yeah, insane. It's, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, proper proud of that. So I mean, that's gone to like the NHS charity, so that should help people who are struggling. You know what I mean? So that's cool. That that was cool. That was cool. I did another one a couple of weeks ago just for Christmas there, or sorry, just for New Year. Um, but I was really drunk, really drunk. I drank a lot of whiskey. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm not sure if I've seen that one. <laughs> well, I played it back because I feel like I couldn't remember. I wasn't real. I wasn't like wasted, but I was like, oh, fuck, I don't remember what what people were saying or like <laughs> songs I actually played. Or so I, I listened back to honestly, it's slow motion. I was just like, I played Live Forever. I was just like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just when I was, I was just so drunk, thinking I was like No Gallagher or something, but I really wasn't. <laughs> well, see when like lockdown hit initially, the first one, I was like. These live streams are everywhere, aren't they? Kyle was doing bands, uh, that Mark Sharp was on all the time doing yeah. stuff. And then we had that Look Revolt, and he done yeah. the, the Sofa Singer one. But then he kind of, after a while, it all kind of died away, didn't it? It was not really, it's kind of moved into like the Shambolics, he done that one with Kyle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and what else? Declan Welsh, he done one, like kind of on YouTube. I think- I think people were kind of getting fed up with the whole, yeah, you know, interacting via Zoom and you know the online quizzes and the online gigs. I think that people mm. were just starting to feel the pinch a bit by the sort of the end of it, and then people were like, "Right, we're getting out of this." And then July yeah. hit, and we're like, "Right, we can actually get out of the house." And there's a bit of normality, and then fuck, we were all wrong, were we? Mm. And uh, looks like we're in this for the long run. You know what I mean? Like, right. so I don't think personally we're seeing live music. Or festivals this year. Well, that's that's the way I'm thinking. But I've got I've got like four or five gigs I might be going to this year. But what have you got on? Uh, Declan Welsh first. Yeah. The Snuts, Jerry Cinnamon, and the La Fontaines. That's my pal's band, La Fontaines. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we played with uh, the La Fontaines. It was in the rise. Like, remember that? Right. They've been around for so so long. Like, remember. We played in King Tut's with them in 2004, maybe 2004, mm-hmm. 2005. And like, they, yeah, they've gone from strength to strength. I shy in it. Like, we're not going to be able to do gigs. I've got, and they've not cancelled it yet, but I've got the, the Doves and the Battlelands in um, May, got mm-hmm. Cast in SW1, got the music down in Leeds. Yeah, we Gypsy's going to that, or he's Nobody's going to anything anyway. Nobody's going to anything. Transmit and Belladrum and all that. I've got tickets for all them rolled over from last year, but mm. there's not a bloody hope in hell they're going to be able to social distance festival. So no. what's the point? You know what I mean? Glastonbury have talked about rolling over to 2022 already. So yeah. people are just, I think that's a sign of the things to come. So shite. Yeah. That's, uh, the, that's just kind of the only good that kind of came for it for me was. Kind of starting the podcast, kind of because yeah. I had a wee bit of free time. I thought I'm just gonna try something. Oh, so good on you, mate. You know what I mean? Like it was really it's good to hear what people. You know, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm a big fan of the view, so it's good mm-hmm. to hear what other people's story. I recognise some of the names, so it's good to kind of just listen to it, um, and hear what people have got to say about the band. And that's why I was just like, I've got a few stories myself. Some really yeah. cool memories of the band. Um, so, and like, yeah, and no, I was lucky enough to be able to support them on the majority of their tours. So I don't know how many people have been able to say that. 
Obviously, they've done the hats off to Buskers, the 10th anniversary, so you'll need to wait for them to do one for Cheeky for a reason, and you'll need to kind of tour on that. You'll need to do that. That's, I would love that's your only them. option. I mean, they are coming back, right? They are. There's rumours of them coming back mm-hmm. um, to do some live stuff, possibly an album. So I think they'll come back and do the Hydro. I think they'll be big enough to come back and do it. Yeah. Hydro. Well, what was that? Almaghi's got a podcast. Yeah. And he's interviewed Kyle on it. He's interviewed James Allen. But he was, it was one of the ones he was talking to the boy for the Clockworks. Yeah. And he was talking about the view on that and how the view had approached him about managing yeah. them. Because I yeah. just assumed that it was the other way about. I assumed that it was yeah, Alan yeah. McGee who'd approached him, but as the boys went to him, so yeah. there must be, it must be happening then. If, yeah, well, I mean, you've got you've got Webby doing his thing, you know what I mean? Like, web music was just kind of mm-hmm. kicking off at the end of, well, just pre, pre-Covid, so... Yeah. He was, I mean, again, that's a brilliant song, isn't it, that? He's, yeah, I mean... He's always kind of been edgy, Kieran, you know, is is been right into sort of Iggy, that kind of kind of punk rock kind of sound like, and it just suits suits him because you know, it suits his voice, suits his, his style of writing. Mm-hmm. And he had something there, you know. So it'd be a shame for him not to carry it on. Um I'm sure he will. I'm sure yeah. he will. Um, you know, but you know, the view boys, aren't they? You know, if they got back together, there's gonna be a lot of demand, you know what I mean? They're gonna it's gonna be good for them, I think, yeah. as well. You know, they're going to love it when they do get back. Mm-hmm. But obviously we'll get a Kyle album before that as well, haven't we? I've seen he's, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, right. he's got all new fresh Instagram pictures and all that done. I thought that must yeah, be the yeah. Aye, because I think, yeah, no, I've been following some of that chat. Um, well, I did. I think I listened to the same podcast you did on Alan McGee saying how good his next album is, mm-hmm. um, how good his next song is. I mean, look, there's no thank you album was great. Obviously, before we go then, just he got anything coming up for Thieves once so this kind of finishes. Have we still got a band? Or, uh, we've still, definitely still got a band. Um, we'll just need, I think we're going to need to start again, right? But we've got, I don't know if I'll, can I, do you want to hear a wee clip of this song? Like, I actually want, yeah. I can't wait to it's totally different it's not going to be what anybody's expected from us like so it's going to be like a brand new fresh band you know what I mean but it's got Paul's stamp on it so you, you can hear the mirror trap kind of kind of edgy guitar sound in it but it's mixing with kind of I don't know the, melo- the melodic side of me and the heavy side of him yeah. it's kind of really, really cool and we've got a whole bunch of songs um, we got approached by an American label just in lockdown um, so we put Queens out on this site um, where you get uh, you pay for labels to listen to you, as shit as that sounds, but sometimes you just got to fucking bite the bullet and spend a bit of money and get people to listen to it. So we put it out on this site, and this com- uh, this uh, label from America were really interested and wanted to hear more songs, and we're like talking about you know like going across to America doing festivals and things like that. There was like a lot of chat about that, but that's kind of tailed off because 
we've just not been able to get together as a group and kind yeah. of piece it all together, you know what I mean, because of COVID. So we'll just wait and see what happens. I mean, I think we've, we have to do something with this song because it's fucking insane. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, that wee clip that I've heard, uh, I, I would be wanting that released. Yeah. I um, want to hear me that. Yeah. And um, we are, you know, we've got another four or five fucking mental tunes like proper really good songs there's a song on on when we play king tuts and we supported vida song called sad city which is a kind of really groovy dancey cracking tune and paul's mm. kind of put his own guitar stamp on that and it sounds insane so that would be the follow-up to this um we, had, we got approached from a another um record producer down south who does a lot um, he, he really liked the sound of us as well. So there's there's things kicking about. Um, yeah. It's just let's get this virus out of the way and then let's let's go for yeah. it again. You know. Well, if you say you've got like four or five songs sitting, so you've got something to you've got something there to back you up once you do come back. What, what do you reckon you would do? Would you bring it out as an EP or would you keep them as wee singles? Or yeah, I think we would just crack them out singles mm. and um, do some good videos again. Put singles out and then just, just build that momentum again. And then um, we're at that stage now where we'd be just see what happens. You know what I mean? See what yeah. happens. Um, I think we can leave. I mean, there was toying of the idea of just to kind of put Thieves to bed and come up with a new name and just relaunch yourself as something new. Is there something well, else? Or what? <laughs> um, but I like the name Thieves, it's a cool name. Yeah, it's not very, it's not very Amazon fr- uh, like Amazon Google friendly. <laughs> you can't find this on Spotify or that. You know, you've got to kind of really search for it. But don't know, don't know. We're still toying with that idea whether or not that's a good one or not. Just kind of relaunch yourself, new sound, new band, new name. Well, I I don't know. I just keep keep the name, and yeah. then just a couple of years time we'll see who's in the band then. Could be a <laughs> <Double> week time. <laughs> yeah, like just then before we go, where can we get a hold of you if, if anybody wants to get a hold of you? Where's best to contact you? Contact me. I mean, I'm I am on Instagram at underscore Alan Turner Music underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Turner Music on um, Facebook. Thieves T H one three V E S on all socials. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not hard to find online if you want to find me. <laughs> Magic. Magic. That's brilliant then. Right, thank you very much for coming on, Alan. No bother, mate. Thanks uh, for having me. Um, yeah, mate. Can't look, looking forward to hearing it. Take care of yourself. Cool. I hope you all enjoyed the interview. It'd be nice to have Alan back supporting the view whenever they come back. It'd also be nice to hear some new music for Thieves. As I said earlier, we got a bit of news. I'm going to be launching another podcast called Time for Heroes, which will be taking a look at music in general, along with other stuff, authors, sports people, TV personalities, whoever I can get my hands on, really. So it's just going to be a bit different and a bit less focused on one specific band. So I hope you all like and subscribe to that when it comes up. You'll find it on Instagram and Twitter. I'll be back with a typical time episode very soon. I've got another one ready to come out. There's not going to be so much of a schedule anymore. I'm just going to release episodes when I've got them. So 
You might get two in a week and then you might not get anything for a month, but that's just the nature of the game. Anyway, as I keep saying to you, like, share, download, subscribe, email me with any stuff. You can get in touch on Instagram at Typical Time Podcast, on Twitter at Time Typical, or you can email me on Typical Time Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Could have gone